From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth, and I have on the phone line with me, because we are going to talk about all of this crime that is um, coming up, just not even here in Houston, but around the country. I have senior police officer Douglas Griffith who is a native Houstonian and a graduate of North Shore High School. He graduated the academy class of 142 and was assigned to the Southeast Command Station in 1991. And during his 29 years of service with the department, he dedicated 20 years to the gang task force and divisional gang unit. Uh, There he served four years as a member of the Southeast Tactical Operations, DGU, and he earned his master's in law enforcement executive leadership from California Southern in 2016. Also was elected to position 11 in 2008, and in 2012, Doug was appointed to the position of vice president to succeed uh, retired senior police officer J.J. Barry. And um, he is on the Public Affairs Podcast. Please welcome Senior Police Officer Douglas Griffith. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me, sir. I greatly appreciate it. Um, in, indeed. Listen, you've got a pretty extensive uh, background when it comes to, um, you know, gang task force and just uh, being in service. Um, tell us how you got interested in um, being a police officer. Well, I grew up in the Cloverleaf area, and if anybody knows that area over in North Shore, uh, it's not the nicest of areas. And uh, I got to see several Harris County officers in action from time to time with neighbors and things that went on around the neighborhood. And and uh, uh, probably from about the age of 14, I realized that that's what I wanted to do with my life. And I dedicated myself to working as, as hard as I could and I went to San Jack College and got my associate's degree, and the day I turned 21, I was knocking on the door trying to get into to law enforcement, and I've been there ever since. Wow, nice. And um, your experience clearly is something that you love to do. What What is it about uh, law enforcement that, you know, grinds your gears, gets you going? Well, you know, it's one of those things where every every officer will sit there and tell you, hey, I got in here to, to help people. And that's truly why we get here. And if you can help one person, then it makes this job worth it. And and I really have had a blessed career. Uh, I feel like I've really got to help the community. And I do everything I can within my power now still to do what I can to help people. Because at the end of the day, we have to help each other. We're, we're one society. We're a group of, of people just trying to get along, and, and we need to be helping each other. Indeed. I'm I'm glad you said that. It's a great segue because, you know, we often look at all of the problems that are going on in the world um, here in Houston. And there's a lot of talk, um, but there's no solutions as to what we can do to combat the things that are coming. Just some very uh, interesting statistics here uh, that you all had sent over, according to uh, FBI data, that homicides increased nationally by 25 percent from 2019 to 2020. And in the first quarter of 2021, the murder rate um, was up compared to the same time frame as last year uh, in such cities as here in Houston, Atlanta, Chicago, Dallas. Um, This is wild. This is a data that was collected from um, the major cities chief association. 
um, which is the nation's top law enforcement leaders. What is this yes, increase um, in homicides? Like, what is really going on in these streets? What's the underlying issue here, officer? Well, I think there's a couple of things that we can point to. Uh, number one, and, and it's something that we see uh, almost every major city, which is kind of sad, uh, or, well, it's actually very sad. And that's the fact that we're not holding people responsible for their actions. Um, we have a tendency now with a bail reform and all that going on that crooks are allowed out over and over again. And we're not talking about, you know, petty thieves and stuff like that. We're talking about hardcore criminals, guys that really have no um, regard for human life. They go out there and stick a gun in your face, rob you. We have, you know, again, increased shootings, increased homicides. That's part of it. And I think the other part is a, a kind of a desensitization because we have so many things that you see on, uh, you know, these videos come out all the time about people shooting other people and, and people get desensitized to that. Like, oh, it wouldn't happen to me. It's not really that big a deal. And some of us even glorified. Uh, these guys will play it over and over and over and, and think it's it's cool when in reality it's just not. You're you're taking someone's life. You are hurting people and, and as a society we cannot allow that. Yeah, these um I don't I don't I don't understand, you know, what would cause, you know, someone to harm someone in that way. Um part of me can't help but to think that there are other um how can i say this uh other entities or ways that are 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 causing this you know from the frequency of the music and maybe you know the food or the mindless entertainment um that is spewed to us on our televisions that is triggering yes, something um, psychologically in their brain um, that makes them want to do these acts over time. And, 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 and it's a slow drip, especially, you know, when uh, the enemy uses silent weapons, you know, for silent wars. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Again, it's the uh, people get desensitized to the violence. And we see it on almost every show that's on TV. Yeah. We see it. You know, in our movies, we see it, uh, we hear it in our music. We once see you it hear on that the daily over news. And over, <laughs> exactly right. Our, you know, how when was the last time you saw a really positive story on the news? That part. You don't. It's all about murder and mayhem. And until we get away from that and get back to where we need to be, which is one, we need to be helping each other out. We need to be watching each other's back. We got to take care of each other. Uh, you know, I, I know that sounds cliche, but it's it's really fact. And no, it is those nice. people that have proven to be a, uh, you know, there's plenty of people out there proving they're not going to be a productive member of society. Those individuals have to be locked away for the safety of the others. And again, uh, Harris County courts, they just have not done their jobs with this. Uh, these repeat offenders get up over and over and over. Um, I, I can remember a day if you were a capital murder suspect. You were held without bond until your trial. Nowadays, we've had a couple with PR bonds. How does that happen? So wait, so the PR bonds go up to extreme 
criminal crimes such as armed robbery and 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 murder. I just thought that that would be you know for a low level crime like something like a misdemeanor, not you know to oh, no. for them to come no, back we... on a PR bond, not something that would be considered a felony. Oh, no, we've had many felons, murder suspects released on a PR bond. And the way they get by with this, you'll hear sometimes, he's got a $50,000 PR bond. Well, what that means is he's released on his personal recognizance. Uh, the 50000 comes into play if he doesn't show up to court. But I can tell you this, we've had multiple people that not show up for court. Not a single dime has been recovered from the county on that. Not one. Because they just give him another bond. See, I didn't. I wasn't privy to that information, Officer Griffin. I I, I didn't know that uh, it even included felonies. I can see somebody with a misdemeanor, you know, something traffic. Like, yeah, okay, no need for you to be in jail for you know you don't have well, a license, we, you know. But you know, murder or you know, grand larceny, things of that nature. That's 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 right. That's not. That's and that's not, what a lot of people it. don't understand, uh, because the original bond reform that, or bail reform that had come out was regarding misdemeanor bonds. We don't believe people should be in jail because they can't afford to pay on these petty little crimes. Right. We, we have no problem with that. Agreed. I have no problem with PR bonds, low bonds, whatever. But right now in Harris County, you can get out on a felony case for $100. Wow. Did not know that. That is wild. Let's uh, just reset real quick. You're listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. We're talking to Senior Police Officer Douglas Griffith. Um, to to uh, tackle now um, this gang violence that has been widespread across the nation and especially here in Houston. I mean, Officer Griffith, I was really um, taken aback to learn of the many gangs and um, the violence that is going on right here in Houston. And the, and this is something that is not getting reported um, in the news media or even on social media. Like if you're not in the boots on the ground in said neighborhood, you wouldn't know that this is an issue. Yes, sir. Uh, gangs have been over Houston forever that I can remember. I, like I said, I come on in 1990, uh, right after the crack had hit the streets and, and gangs feuded over turf for selling drugs back then in the 90s. Uh, it's progressed over time. They've actually gotten smarter. They, we have crews. We call them crews. Uh, they're nothing more than gang members. They go out and they do specific crimes, juggings. Where they follow people from banks. They do the ATM heist where they go take a stolen vehicle and rip off the ATM they do these big burglaries of, you know, uh, pawn shops, stuff like that. They're, they're, they're getting better organized, and they're, they're learning ways to get around the system. And they're out there committing probably mostly crime in Houston, to be quite honest with you. Uh, we probably, in Houston, I guarantee we have over 90,000 gang members. No, no 90, did mind. you say 90,000? That is going to be my estimate, yes, sir. You gotta understand, we've got we got three generations of, of gangs now in Houston. You you've got the the grandfather, the father, and the and the son that have all been in this. In fact, w the one of the ones that was involved in the shooting of the New Orleans officer, his father was a gang member. Mm. I knew him from from Sunnyside. 
This mm-hmm. is just a, you know, uh, uh, they're becoming bolder because they know nothing's going to happen to them. Even if they get, you know, even if they get caught, what's going to happen? They're going to end up out on a bond. So that emboldens them to do more and more criminal activity. And that just makes the, the people of Harris County, you, you're going to have more victims that way. You just are. We've got to find a way to stop the violent crime and keep those guys locked away. I know it sounds horrible, but it's fact. If you've got a guy that's not going to be a productive member of society, that's going to continue to victimize our citizens, they've got to be, they've got to be put away. So with um, these criminals and these gangs member getting more uh, sophisticated when it comes to uh, <laughs> the activity that they do, uh, what is law enforcement doing to uh, to combat that or to try to uh, you know one up them and, and, and beat them to the punch? Well, we do a lot of uh, research on our crooks now. Uh, we have access to more activity, social media. Uh, we have access to a lot of different tools that we can use to monitor and watch these guys and try to catch them in the act. Uh, the one thing gang members like to do, they brag about what they do. A lot of times on social media, you might not have anything more than a moniker, you know, a street name or something like that, but they're able to research and do the things that we need to do. We do a lot of surveillance. We do a lot of, um, you know, uh, I, uh, for lack of a better term, we, we research these guys like we're doing a research paper. We should know them in and out and know when they're going to be moving and what they're, what kind of criminal activity they're involved in. And that way we can try to uh, derail some of that. Hmm. Man. Okay. And, and one of the things that people don't understand a couple of years ago, we had a gang injunction and that is uh, a lot of people hate it because they feel that it's targeting certain groups. And it is, it's targeting gang members. Uh, when you have an area in which you have high gang activity, uh, we tried this a couple of years ago and it got shot down by some people within our command staff and with the uh, Harris County DA's office uh, because they didn't like that it was an African-American neighborhood. And I understand that. I get their reasoning behind it. But I also know that these work. And since that gang injunction was not brought into effect, we've had at least 10 to 15 killings out there in that 100 block. Hmm. So it's safe to say that, um, one, Social media has uh, really helped you all in uh, following and capturing um, some of these uh, gang members. Uh, one, because yes, you're sir. right, they do like to, you know, brag and flaunt about what they do. And and I never understood that. Like, you tell it on yourself. You're going to get on your <laughs> your Instagram and flash <laughs> the gun. I show like, what are you what are you really doing? Um, yes, sir. Officer Griffin, what what is the motive of uh, these gangs now? I mean, when I was coming up, um, they they were territorial, you know, uh, certain blocks or, you know, uh, certain neighborhoods they would protect. Um, And, you know, to me, back then growing up, I was like, I didn't understand the concept that, you know, you're protecting something that we don't even own in the first place. But, you know, I digress. Um, but now what is it about? Why, why is the activity so strong? What is it that they uh, want to gain or, or, or trying to prove? I, I think it's about the money. 
at the end of the day, it's a, it's about how much money they're going to make. If they have to hurt somebody to get it, they're going to do that. Um, and and I'm a firm believer that look, we've got to get to our kids early and often, and give them opportunities in school, give them an education, a safe education, one free of gangs and drugs and everything else, and then we got to give them job opportunities. Because without those two things, this is all they know. All they know is gangbanging and drug dealing or hijacking people or whatever their little area of expertise is. And we've got to get them out of that mindset, but we've got to do it before they start. And that's a difficult thing to do. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you said that because if we're all in this together and, it, you know, it takes a village, then – you know, the, 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 the city and, and the government and uh, the school districts, they need to do their part as well. I mean, we have seen over the last two decades, two and a half decades, um, how after school programs are getting cut. You know, um, but, you know, it first started when they were taking music out. So, and so they um, music out of um, out of school. And so with that and, and, and more activities that these kids can be involved in after school keeps getting stripped away and then they have nothing to do. And so they get with this crew and, you know, they have this, you know, attention that they're seeking and they feel like they have a, you know, a, a family and they get caught up. But if the system would work correctly and stop making it difficult you know, with this whole, you know, school to prison pipeline, um, yes, sir. then probably, you know, kids wouldn't be involved. But, you know, that's and, too and much like right. This, yes, I put part of this on the state, too. Uh, ever since they imposed this state testing, the teachers don't teach anymore. Right. They teach toward a test. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, that, that does no one any good. We need to get back to days where teachers actually taught real lessons, not what some test is going to, you know, show their knowledge on. Uh, we got to get back to the the real root of the problem, and, and that's we have to have people that that have a passion and care for the job to get in there and teach our children, and and to give them responsibility and train them in the way they need to to move forward. Because without the proper base, those kids are going to turn to what. The only thing they know, the only thing they have left, and that's their friends on the street. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't have ended it in a better way. Senior Police Officer Douglas Griffith of the Task Force and Divisional Gang Unit. Man, um, thank you for your time and, and your scholarship, your insight uh, on all of this. Uh, is there anything that the, the, the listening audience need to know before we get out of here? Any final words? Uh, hey, I want to thank the people of the city of Houston because without them, I wouldn't be able to do the job I've loved for the last 30 years. And I'm so blessed to be here in this city. And thank you so much for having me on. Anytime y'all need anything, you call me. In, indeed. Oh, do, do you have um, social media? Can people, you know, uh, keep up with you, follow you on Facebook or Instagram, yes. Twitter or any of that? I am at Griff, G-R-I-F-F, -F, 3945 on Twitter. Indeed.
Police officer, senior police officer, Douglas Griffith. Man, thank you again so much for your time. And to those listening to the podcast, don't you go anywhere. We've got more of the Public Affairs Podcast right after this. From your local Houston BMW Center studios, welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth, and I have two young ladies on the phone line with me. First, Dr. D. Tyler Brown, who is the founder and CEO of the International Women's Alliance Ministries. Well, welcome to the program. Welcome back. It's been a it's been a while since uh You've been on, well, when it was known as Access Houston. How have you been? I've been doing well. Thank you. Good. Good to hear from you. And you also have um, uh, someone who will be uh, a part of the Grand Mere Honors and MC Awards Luncheon. Ladies and gentlemen, the lovely Joy Salier is on the Public Affairs Podcast. Good morning and welcome. Good morning and thank you for having me on your show. Well, thank you all for being here. Uh, Dr. Brown, um, for those who are not uh, familiar with IWAM, um, tell us about the International Women's Alliance Ministries, um, how it came about, and um, how long you all have been around. International Women's Alliance Ministries was started in um, 2014 as a way for women to get together to just talk about their uh, ministry assignments and business opportunities. And uh, we've been established for about seven years now. The organization, our mission is women working together through connection, communication, and collaboration. So it's an opportunity for us to connect with people who may be interested in supporting what we do. So we connect, we communicate with individuals that we meet who are either members of the organization or support our networking events. And if there are opportunities to collaborate or work together, that's what we do. That's what we encourage. And and what was the inspiration behind uh, finding IWAM? We wanted to be able to support other women. A lot of times we as African-American women sometimes feel that we're always doing things all by ourselves. We don't have any help. We don't have anybody to support us. So this is an opportunity for women to connect with other women. And that's what we initially did. It was me and two of my friends. We were just talking on the telephone. And, you know, one of the things that I realized, I sent out flyers back in 2013, about 5,000, and not one of the people came to the event. And I realized that people support people they know. And so this is an opportunity for anybody who wants to uh, connect with us, to join the organization. They have the opportunity to do that, to meet other people who will support them. And, and, and how long have you all been around? Since 2014, seven years, and still moving strong, growing by leaps and bounds. So this is an opportunity. This event that we have scheduled in October is an event that will introduce who we are to the Houston metropolitan community. Yes. Uh, so so let's get into the Grand Mere Honors and MC Awards luncheon that is happening on Saturday, October 2nd at 12 noon. Um, and it's going to be at the uh, Wyndham NRG Medical Center. 
Hotel, from, formerly known as the uh, Crown Plaza um, Hotel. Grand Mir, what is what is this all about, Dr. Brown? Well, my sister, Roberta uh, Tyler Handy, passed away in 2010 with complications of colon cancer and other health challenges. So this is an opportunity for us to establish and honor her legacy. Her desire to live was to see her grandchildren grow up. And the doctor just simply said, that's not going to happen. So Grandmere is French for grandmother. So we will be honoring grandmothers as well as presenting an award. It's called the EMCEE Award. And this acronym was established based on some of the areas that she was connected to. She was an educator. She majored in uh, mathematics and chemistry. She married an engineer, and she was an entrepreneur. So we will be honoring grandmothers and offering the award to several students. Nice. And um, you've got um, quite the lineup. Um, I understand that there's also... Uh, going to be um, some fashions that will be on display, yes? Yeah, we have an all-male fashion (laughs) extravaganza, and this is an opportunity to, I guess, present uh, positive images of men and especially African-American men. So some of the models are attorneys or uh, entrepreneurs and, you know, uh, realtors, and we have the young and the not-so-young participating. So we're very excited about this opportunity to, you know, to present our men in this way. Indeed. And then the honorees. Can we uh, talk about the honorees for the Grand Mirror Honors and MC Awards Luncheon? Well, the honorees are all grandmothers, and... They were nominated by members of the IWM organization. So we didn't go out to the community and, you know, approach everybody in the city of Houston or nationwide. Everybody knows somebody who's a grandmother. So this year, and I don't know what we're going to do, you know, next time, but this year we gave members of the organization an opportunity to nominate the grandmothers. And this particular grandmother that we have on the call today, Joyce, was nominated by uh, a member of Prietta's uh, Vandible Stalwart. And she's on the line with us today, Joyce. Well, hey, Joyce, how, how are you feeling? What, what, what was your reaction when you found out that you were going to be one of the honorees? Well, I was excited about it because uh, you know, what we do as grandmothers is done out of love for our grandchildren and you know, not for recognition. However, when we are recognized, it's very uplifting and encouraging. So I was, I felt pretty good about it. I'm like, okay, so someone, this organization, IWAM, is now, um, you know, recognizing and uplifting grandmothers for what they do in the lives of their grandchildren. So I thank IWAM and Dr. Brown for this honor. Indeed. And then just tell us a little bit about um, yourself, Miss Joyce. Okay. Well, uh, I have 11 grandchildren that range in ages from 23 years old to seven months old. 
So I have a total, you know, collection of ages in there to work with as being a grandmother. And um, I, I'm a certified public accountant, but about uh, uh, maybe 12 years ago, I decided that I would um, not work on a regular job so that I could have more time to pour into my grandchildren. So I became self-employed, which has benefited both myself and the grandchildren. Uh, and so I see the um, the role of the parent as uh, first to understand that it's the parents who are the parents, and that's the biggest challenge for all of us. But over this, the course of these last 12 years, I've established something called Granny Camp, where I um, have all of the grandchildren come together to me, and either we go out of town or we go to a hotel or we're just at home. And we um, do things that they would not ordinarily do uh, with their family, like ride public transportation, because a lot of them live in the suburbs, and we just don't get a chance to do that. But we visit museums, we read books, we cook a special dinner. They do it, and I take out my good china and set the table with it so they can see that stuff is not that really that important. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot that I've been, I try to support for the children. That's wonderful. I mean, And I'm sure that it is... Not a challenge, but different um, with not necessarily not that you're raising your grandchildren, but um, being around them and talking to them. Because, you know, with social media and the Internet and, you know, all of these TikTok challenges and, and things, um, <laughs> I'm sure they, they keep you quite entertained and, um, and educated. Well, they keep me current, but at the same time, I have to... When they tell me things and I see things, these ch different challenges, I've tried to instill in them, don't try any of them because they're usually <laughs> dangerous. So I, I kind of consider myself to be a little, play a little police role in what they, they see and do. But there's a lot out there for them to see and do. And I always tell them, listen, I hope that, uh, I'm glad I wasn't your age because you, you're learning way too much stuff before you can actually know what to do with it. Yes, indeed. You're listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. We are talking to Dr. D. Tyler Brown and Joyce Salia uh, from the International Women's Alliance Ministries, which is having their Grand Mere Honors and MC Awards Luncheon on Saturday, October the 2nd uh, at 12 noon at uh, the, um, I just had it, and where did it go? There we go, the Wyndham, NRG yeah. Medical Center Hotel, formerly the Crown uh, Plaza. Uh, that is um, 8686 Kirby Drive. So uh, for those listening and uh, possibly want to check this out, what what should people expect, Dr. Brown? They should expect an incredible event. <laughs> Our theme for the event is a royal blue, silver, and white fashion affair. So every individual who attends is requested to wear a combination of either the solid colors, royal blue, silver, and white, or a combination of those colors. And the fashion show models will also be wearing those colors. So everybody will be a fashion statement. <laughs> I'm just looking forward to it. Royal blue is now my favorite color. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to ask, uh, what is it about royal blue, silver, and white? 
Well, there is a significance which I will reveal at the event. The reason those colors have been selected. <laughs> mm, okay. Um, There's the mystery. <laughs> well, well, I can't wait to see. Um, I will be the MC for the event on Saturday, October the second, um, and um, there's going to also be entertainment by um, Marion Debose, who is an electric yes. acoustic violinist, um, yes. and you'll also have a uh, Dr. Joanne. Is that um, Asia Scott? Ajay Scott. Ajay Scott. Yes. Um, who's um, who will be handling the fashion show? JB and the band ensemble will also be uh, performing. And um, you know, oh, you're going to have Psalmist Janice Peterson will also be uh, providing. So yeah, this is going to be um, quite the afternoon. I mean, we got a fashion show, we got a band, a <laughs> violinist, a psalms, psalmist, and of course, honoring the Grand Mears. Um, yeah, the violinist is going to serenade the honorees. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry? The violinist is going to serenade the honorees. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be uh, lovely. Um, how many honorees um, do you have? We have 10. We, you know, we it, the, the number may be nine, but we have scheduled to honor 10 grandmothers okay. on that day. And we have students, by fact, several students also from uh, Jack Yates High School will be receiving <clears throat> the MC Awards for the mentoring. The, the, the program that we're holding is to raise funds for the Roberta Tyler Handy Mentoring and Education Program. And we selected one high school to choose the students from to receive the awards, the MC Award. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. The International Women's Alliance Ministries. Um, what, what else do you offer for uh, the community, for those who may be looking for um, a new church home? It's, uh, it's a ministry organization. Um, for those who are interested, some of the benefits of membership is connecting with other members. We will be establishing chapters throughout the uh uh, city of Houston, state of Texas, and then nationwide. We do have members in other uh, states like Louisiana, Florida, um, South Carolina, Oklahoma. And uh, members uh, are leaders in their own right. So there are, there's an opportunity to receive leadership training. We help members of the organization to achieve their goals, what they say they have been called to do. We work with them. We have two membership levels, basic membership, $40, and a lifetime VIP membership. There's uh, just a one-time fee of $500, and that gives you an opportunity to receive one-on-one mentoring and coaching. We also offer outreach opportunities for anybody who's looking for uh, volunteer opportunities, we have several programs. The Roberta Tyler Handy uh, Mentoring and Education Program is just one of the volunteer opportunities that we offer. And we also have a leadership mentoring program. Our main program is Project HELP Community Outreach. 
That's where we deliver health care gift bags to the homeless, the elderly, uh, lost youth, and prisoners' families. So we do have uh, several opportunities for leadership. We offer uh, services to the members, like a speakers bureau, and uh, we have uh, leadership uh, opportunities with our ministries. If a person wanted to be a leader, team leader for the college community connection, the marketplace ministry team, the marketing and media team, the writing and publishing team. We have women in our organization from a variety of backgrounds and have something to bring to the table. So this organization is an opportunity for each member to learn from each other. So the opportunities are there. We don't force anybody to, you know, work with anybody or do anything. It's just an opportunity to collaborate and we leave it up to the members to decide who they want to work with, who they want to collaborate with, and who they want to learn from. And with the experience that I have in my background, I can either uh, help them to accomplish their goals, teach or train them how to accomplish their goals, or refer them to someone or another professional who can help them accomplish the things that they said they've been called to do. So there are many opportunities with the organization. Indeed. And and where can people go to get more information? Uh, what's your website? Our website, which is currently under construction, under construction we are uh, changing the template a little bit. The website is IWAMOnlineONLINE.org. We are a 501c3 tax exempt nonprofit organization. Or you can give me a call at 713 504. Three zero nine two, and we'll be happy to help you. And we would love for you to join us. It is a women's organization, and a lot of men too. We want what you have to offer too. So we do have another opportunity. It's called the Core Anointing um, Community Outreach for Men. They can also join the community outreach for network with women in the organization. So we're not going to leave them out. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, that website again is iwamonline.org, iwamonline.org, and um, save the date for Saturday, October the 2nd at the NRG Medical Center Hotel, formerly the Crown Plaza, for the Grand Mere Honors and MC Awards Luncheon, celebrating grandmothers, mentoring students, and featuring an all-male fashion extravaganza. <laughs> and all of this is benefiting the Roberta, uh, Roberta Tyler Handy Mentoring and Education Program. Dr. Brown, uh, thank you for coming on and um, sharing your incredible ministry in this great event that I'll be uh, emceeing on Saturday, October 2nd. And to you, Grandma Joyce. Grandma Joyce, uh, <laughs> Salia, thank you for for coming on. Uh, I can't wait to meet you uh, on Saturday, October the 2nd. Looking forward to Thank you. Thank you. And thank well, you. We're excited about having you as our MC. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I, I was honored that you reached out to me and, and asked me to do it. So, you know, this, is, uh, this has been my year of yes. I was just like, you know, just... Say okay. yes to everything, and and I have been, and um, I have no complaints. <laughs> I have no That's complaints. Great. So, so thank you I'm for. Looking forward. Everybody is excited. I'm excited. 
Hey, it's happening. <laughs> it is. It is happening. October the second, and so I will see you then. So thank you, ladies, for coming on. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and for all of you listening to the Public Affairs Podcast on behalf of Uncle Funky Larry Jones. I'm KG Smooth, and we will see you I next week. I just want to mention one more thing, that they can purchase their tickets on Eventbrite and just do a search on Eventbrite for the Grand Near Honors and MC Award. And the link will come up where they can purchase a ticket. Indeed. Thank you for that. Uh, we'll see you next week.